If you have your Bibles, why don't you turn there to John chapter 3, or if you can grab a Bible, it's in the pews. If you don't have a Bible, we can get one into your hands, so make sure you stop by the info table. We would love to get you a Bible so you can read it on your own. But before, as you're turning to John chapter 3, I do want to just begin with a quick apology. Last week, as I was preaching, I twice referred to our church being located at the corner of Byberry and Barnaby. That's wrong. We are at the corner of Byberry and Barbary. I don't know why I said it. I don't know why I made the mistake. It's forever in the recording. And so I can li- have to live with my mistakes forever and ever and ever. And when people dig up our recordings one day, a thousand years from now, they'll, be, they'll start writing the history books and changing this, the maps that they have and say it's actually Byberry and Barnaby when it's actually, in fact, Byberry and Barbary. So sorry about that. That's my bad. I ask for your forgiveness. Hope you'll give that to me uh, before we begin here today. So today, though, we're beginning a new series, moving on from our mistakes last week, moving on to a new series called The Elements of Renewal. And if you were here in, for Vision Sunday, which is early in 2022, I preached on renewal as our word for the year. So if you're here before the service, yes, there's things that happen before the service. Uh, there's slides running, and there's actually a slide that says that our word for the year is renewal. And I invite us that day to have a renewed vision of what God in Christ has freed us from, to, and for, based on Ephesians chapter 2. So we talked about how God has freed us from spiritual death to be alive in Christ for good works. And so we have spent, whether you realize this or not, we've actually spent the rest of 2022 focusing on renewal. In Luke, when we went through the Gospel of Luke, we wanted to renew our vision of who God is and what he's about. So remember, we focused on three major themes, God's faithfulness, God's love for the lost, and God's vindication of Jesus. When we went through the Transform series in the book of Colossians, we wanted to renew our understanding of our identity, morality, our desires, and our relationships. When we did the book of Judges, we wanted to renew ourselves around the understanding of God's holiness, our sin, and our need for His grace. And freedom in the gospel, which we just went through for four weeks, we were renewing ourselves around liberty's vision and values. And so that brings us to our current series, the elements of renewal. And in this series, we're going to look at the things that Christians have focused on in times of great renewal. And so you might be asking what we mean by renewal. And Mark Sayers, in his book, Reappearing Church, defines renewal this way at two parts. A, the refreshment, release, and advancement that individuals, groups, churches, and cultures experience when they are realigned with God's presence. And secondly, B, the resumption, which I had to look that word up, so I put definition in there in case you didn't know what that means, beginning something again after a pause of our God-given purpose to partner with God fully participating in his plan to flood the world with his presence. Renewal. Renewal is a time in history where God's people have experienced his presence in a profound way on a small scale. Individually, 
in our organizations, in our churches, sometimes our cultures and cities. And they, we, they have sought to participate with God as he pours out his presence on a large scale. And a large-scale pouring out of God's presence is what we would call revival. Or Mark Sayers says that revival is renewal gone viral. So in this series, we're going to look at, over 10 weeks, those things. The things that God's people were particularly re-emphasizing when renewal happens. And this all comes from Richard Lovelace's book, Dynamics of Spiritual Life, which I highly recommend. It's like 400 pages. There's two or three chapters in there that are the primary elements and secondary elements of renewal. Read those, and you got the gist. But today, what I want us to realize is that renewal comes when we better understand the truth about God and ourselves. That in order for renewal to happen to me personally, in order for renewal to happen to you or happen to our church or our city or our culture, we need to better understand first the truth about God and ourselves. So I want to talk about the need for renewal, and I want to talk about that renewal must be God-driven, and the renewal must be God-centered. So let's talk about the need for renewal. Look at John 3, verse 16, and we're going to read all the way through 21. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God, the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, And does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that they may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Renewal is needed because of our unbelief and our love for the darkness. That's why we need to be renewed. It's because we don't believe in Jesus and what he has to say. And as Jesus says here in John, as he's speaking to Nicodemus, that people love the darkness. We love the darkness. Teenagers, young people, when the Old Testament had finished, there actually were about like 400 years until God spoke in a more clear way than the way that he had before through Scripture. And the the people of God in Israel, there was this sense of agony over the situation. They're oppressed by all these different people groups. They're oppressed by the Greeks. They're oppressed by the Romans. And then the Romans put in like a puppet leader in Herod, and they're kind of oppressed by him as well. And God's presence wasn't being experienced in the same way. But then God himself came and was present with his people and his son, Jesus. And that's where we begin in the New Testament. And at that point, again, God's people begin to experience his presence in a profound way. This time, it's not through words, the words of Scripture, but it's through the Word, God himself. 
God comes and dwells with his people in Jesus, and Jesus teaches and he heals, and the people are being renewed individually, left and right. And then a religious leader, Nicodemus, comes to Jesus, and he wants to know more. He's yearning. There's something inside of him that wants to hear more from Jesus. And Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, and he talks to Nicodemus, and he talks about Nicodemus being born again. And Nicodemus is understandably confused about that. So then Jesus talks about this story from the book of Numbers, where God's people were judged by God, and they were bitten by poisonous serpents. And in that story, what happens is Moses makes a bronze serpent, and he puts it up on a pole, and whoever looks at the bronze serpent is healed and saved. So then Jesus tells Nicodemus in two verses before the ones we just read, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and whoever believes in him may have eternal life. I don't know how you feel right now, but I feel personally like I need to be renewed. I personally need to experience God's presence in a profound way. And as I look around at us, And around our culture and our world, it's clear to me that God's people need to be renewed too. But what's interesting when we look at the history of renewal is that corporate renewal does not happen without personal renewal. Christians can be really, really, really good at pointing, out, pointing the finger at our culture and telling them to clean up their act. We forget, though, what our moms taught us. When you point one finger at somebody else, there's three pointing back at you. And the truth of the matter is, as good as we are at pointing out the problems of our world and how they need to be renewed, they need to experience God, we need to make our beds and clean our rooms before we tell the world to clean up itself. See, I believe God is doing something here at Liberty Northeast. I don't know what it is, but I believe he's doing something and he's going to do something. And if it's renewal, if it's a profound sense of his presence, we need to want it for our own lives. We need to want it for our church before we can expect our culture and our world to want it. If you and I want to see God's presence poured out all around us, while we can't program it, we can't force it, you and I need to be renewed first before we can expect renewal to take place anywhere else. See, if you want the culture to be more centered on Jesus, the question you should ask yourself is, am I centered on Jesus. If you want the culture to be morally upright, Christians all over the place, all the culture this, the culture that, look what they're doing in schools, look what they're doing in politics, look at this, look at this, look at this. If you want the culture to be morally upright, the question is, is your life marked by repentance and obedience to God's word? Because if it's not, you're not doing that, you can't be pointing at everybody else and say they should be doing that. 
We need to clean our rooms and make our beds first before we tell everybody else what to do. If you want the Holy Spirit to flood our nation, the question I need to ask myself is does my prayer life involve earnestly asking God to pour out the Holy Spirit in my heart? See, we cannot expect to find corporate renewal if we aren't seeking personal renewal. We will never be able to expect renewal gone viral and revival to happen in our nation if you and I are not taking the call of Jesus seriously, if, we're not, if Jesus is not captivating our hearts, if our lives are not centered around him, we can't call the world to do it and expect the world to do it if we're not willing to do it ourselves. And at the time of Jesus, God's people were in desperate need of renewal, of experiencing his presence in a profound way. And their blood was filled with the poison of the world and culture around them, and God seemed silent, and they were in spiritual decline. And they needed to be saved once again. But this time, they wouldn't be saved by a serpent being lifted up on a pole, but they'd be saved by God, the Son, being lifted up on the cross. This time, it wouldn't just be for Israel. It would be for the whole world, John tells us, for God to love the world. So that whoever looks upon the cross and Jesus on the cross and believes in him who hangs there would receive eternal life. And eternal life is not just life in heaven after you die. The way the Bible speaks about eternal life is this living as if that's a reality for you. If I know I'm going to spend eternity with Jesus and with God, I should be living that in my life now. That's eternal life. It's a quality of life. So God, in his love, sent his son Jesus. But how did the world respond? John tells us in verse 18 and 19, the world responded with unbelief and the world loved darkness rather than the light. See, you can want renewal, but refuse to accept what you need to do in order to get it. You hear me? You and I can say all we want that we want to be renewed. But when Jesus stands before us and tells us what we need to do in order to experience, you and I can't help it. But we tighten our grip on the things that are keeping us from it. We hold on to unbelief when Jesus wants us to believe. We hold on to spiritual darkness when Jesus wants to move us into the light. Sometimes I like to think about when I get older, what I'm going to be like. And if you're, and I say older because I know some of the young people probably think I'm old already, but older. I'm curious of how stubborn I'm going to be as an old man. Like, you hear the stories, right, about people, like, their kids tell them they shouldn't drive anymore, or their, you know, like, their wives say, like, that, like, they shouldn't drive anymore, or their kids say, hey, you and mom shouldn't live alone anymore, or you should call the doctor about that, dad. Nah, 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 I'm good. Nah, I'm fine. I don't need to see no doctor. Instead of seeing the things that I'm pretty sure the way it's going to happen for me, instead of seeing the things that my kids 
tell me or my wife tells me because, and they're telling me these things because I love, they love me, I'm pretty sure I'll be stubborn and not do those things. So the question is like, when those things happen, when, when it's being pointed out, the things that I need to change, will I humble myself and make those changes or will I be stubborn? See, we, mean, we may know, you may feel like, you may feel like me, like deep within your bones that you need to be renewed and you know what you need to give up. I know what I need to give up to Jesus I know what I need to do. I need to believe in Jesus. I know that my actions need to be brought into the light. But we don't do it. Because our sin deceives us into thinking that we don't need to do it. And we don't need it. Yeah, sure, you know. Yeah, sure, absolutely. You want renewal, Evan? Fantastic. But you don't really need to do what Jesus said to get it. You can get it another way. Sounds awful a lot like the serpent in the garden. Ah, you, you won't die. You can eat from the tree and still live. See, we can't want renewal, but also resist what God asks us to do so we can experience it. Some of us know we need to believe in Jesus for the first time or the one millionth time. Some of us know we need to move into light, but sin is so deceptive that we think our unbelief isn't a big deal. Or some of us, we don't think our darkness is that big of a deal. Some of us have become so used to living in darkness that our eyes have adjusted. Sure, like we can't see as well as we do in the daytime, but we've learned to live in the darkness and with the darkness. So we'd rather live like that than let our sin be brought into light. Paul Tripp, he's this famous counselor, Christian counselor. And I love this quote, and I always go back to this quote. But he says this, which I find really interesting about the deceptiveness of sin. He says, no one swindles you more than you do. No one deceives you more than you do. No one has told more lies to you than you've told to yourself. Catch that? That's how deceptive sin is. Sin is so deceptive that you and I, the best swindlers you know, is you. The, best, the biggest liar you know is you. The biggest deceiver you know is you. And what's worse, we're good at it. We're good at deceiving ourselves. We're good at swindling ourselves. We're good at lying to ourselves. And we develop this creepy skill of knowing what lies work for us. So when Paul Tripp continues this, he says, what happens is we tell ourselves these things. We tell ourselves, it's just my personality. I'm just a loud person. I talk this way all the time. I'm not angry. It makes me so mad when you accuse me of being angry. I'm just making my point. You know, like one of God's prophets. You've read the prophets, right? Or it wasn't lust. I don't lust. I just have an eye for beauty. Feminine sort of beauty. 
or I don't have to be in control all the time. Don't accuse me of being controlling. I'm just exercising my God-given leadership gifts. Or I'm not being jealous and envious. I just want to experience the full range of God's blessings. I can't tell you how many times I've sat across tables with young men who have addictions to inappropriate, viewing inappropriate things online. And they'll say to me things like, I can't delete that app. I need to keep it to keep up with my friends and family. I need it. I say, yeah, but like, it's really drawing you into sin. Yeah, but I need it. I can't get rid of it. Or I can't put a filter on my computer. I need it for work. And a filter will make it too inconvenient if I have to ask my wife for the password. And frankly, I've been in stages of my life where I've said the same thing. Because of this, this, the deceptiveness of sin, what we end up doing is we develop this alternate reality where we know we could use God's presence in a profound way, but we won't take the steps necessary to experience it. So even if the light would renew us, we end up hating the light and instead fall in love with the darkness because we deceive ourselves into thinking that our sin is something we can control. It's not that big of a deal. I got it all under control. Yeah, I, I know I'm in the darkness, but I, I've learned to live with it. I, I got it. Yeah, I, I know I don't believe in Jesus, but like, who believes all the time? So perhaps you live your life by building your life upon all these lies. So you have to constantly remember what lies you told everyone. So you live in constant fear of the truth being revealed. And when one lie gets exposed, what happens? What do you do? You scramble to clean up the mess. Are you in control of that? Or maybe you're manipulative. And you'll make all your relationships conditional on everyone doing what you want them to do. And you have these like nifty ways and fun ways of like convincing people and just like passive aggressively getting them to do the things that you want them to do. But when you live that kind of life and manipulate life, what ends up happening is you end up bailing on someone as soon as they refuse to be manipulated. And then what happens is you have to reshuffle the cards and you have to find people and friends you can manipulate only to find more and more of your relationships falling apart because people actually can't be controlled as easily as you convince yourself they could. Or maybe your heart's filled with anger and you'll wake up each day looking for something else to be outraged about and find that your heart keeps getting bitter towards everyone and one day you'll wake up completely miserable because everything is reason to be upset and angry. Are we really in control of the sin in our lives like we think we are? If that's how we have to live? Or has sin so deceived us into deceiving ourselves that we could be in control? So you can't be renewed by the light of God's presence and hold on to unbelief and the darkness at the same time. It's one or the other. Either choose the light or choose the darkness. Either choose to believe or choose not to. You've got to pick one. That's what Jesus is saying. 
And because we, left to ourselves, choose unbelief and darkness, we will do it time and time again. And so our renewal can't be driven by us. Our renewal must be God-driven. So look again at verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Notice this from these verses. God drives the process of renewal. God drives it. We love the darkness, Jesus says. So we won't do the things for renewal. But God takes the initiative. And he took the initiative. God loved us so much that God gave his only son. God desired to save us. So God sent his son, Jesus says. It might remind us of like Romans 5, 8. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. God did it. God initiated. God said, I know you need renewal. I can see it in your mind. I can see it in your heart. I can see it all over your body that sin has destroyed you and it's hurt you and you're walking straight into hell. But I'm jumping in. A little later in Romans 5, Paul talks about, it says that we were enemies with God, but Jesus reconciled us. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, it says that we were dead in our sins, but God, being rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Here's the truth. God is holy and is wrathful towards our sin. And here's the problem. We're all born in sin. So left to ourselves, there's no way out of that. You and I aren't on the road to renewal. We aren't born on the road to renewal because instead of loving the light of Jesus, we hate the light. You notice that? Jesus says they hate the light. Not like they tolerate it, they hate it. And instead of believing in Jesus, we condemn ourselves. Jesus says they, they're condemned already because they don't believe. And we're on this one-way road to condemnation in hell and life separated from God forever. But God stepped in. God took the initiative. God gave up his son for us. See, the renewal we need isn't something we in our sin would be willing to accept. So it had to be driven by God. And it has to be driven by God. And God poured out his presence in a profound way throughout history, and we'll have to ask him to do it again. We can't program it. We can't force it for ourselves. We can prepare ourselves, absolutely. But God's got to do it. So renewal must be God-centered as well. Look at verse 21. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. We must partner with God in renewal by centering ourselves on him and his work. When we look around us, it seems that the church in our culture, is in decline. Right? You hear it all the time. You hear Christians talk about it all the time. Oh, the church is in decline. Right now, 64% of Americans claim to be Christian. I fully doubt that statistic in every single way. But 64% of Americans claim to be Christian. It's estimated that in 50 years, that number will drop below 50%. 
Talking to most of my pastor friends, particularly coming out, like coming out of the COVID lockdowns, giving's down, church attendance is down, small group participation is down. If you look around our, our country, Christians don't seem to have the same influence we once had. And it seems like another pastor or Christian leader is caught in a scandal each week. So statistically, trust in pastors is way down, which is great news for my career. See, Christians were smaller, less powerful, less trusted than we've been in years past. And you can look at this in one of two ways. You can see it as a problem, or you can see the decline as a move of God to prepare his church for renewal. It's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. See, renewal always happens in periods of decline. Every time God pours out his presence in a profound way, it's always in times of spiritual decline. So God doesn't stop working, even in spiritual decline. He hasn't given up on his church, and like he, has for, he did for the 400 years between the Old and New Testament, he's preparing his people for a sense of his presence in a profound way. So we must be centered on him and what he's doing as we desire to see him pour out his presence in a profound way. So what would renewal look like? if we First, it would start with centering our hearts and minds on Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf. That's where it starts. That we focus our hearts and center our hearts and minds on that. That Jesus came to rescue us from sin and to bring us out of darkness into the light. And when we do that, we can begin to partner with God by believing in Jesus, not as a moment once in time, but as an every moment decision. Like every moment of my day, I need to say to myself, do I believe what Jesus has said here? Do I believe it? And we live, start living a life that desires to bring sin into light by confession and repentance to God and others. Not experiencing condemnation when we do, but experience the love that God pours into our hearts. So if God's preparing a remnant for renewal, if God's preparing his people for renewal, we have to ask ourselves specifically, what's our attitude towards the light? Do we hate it? Or do we welcome it? If God has to pour, shine the light on his church and reveal all the things that are going wrong, and all the ways we're not being honest and faithful and truthful and obedient to him. Are we welcoming that? And sometimes, a lot of times, God uses spiritual decline, church decline, to do that kind of thing. To prune his church. Do we welcome it or do we hate it? That's what we decide. And Jesus says that those who do what is true welcome the light. But those who love the darkness hate the light because they fear being exposed. So my encouragement to you is let's partner with God in renewal. As we go through this series, let's just invite God in and say, God, we're just going to partner with you in renewal by renewing ourselves individually, by believing in Jesus and what God says in Scripture as God's answer to our condemnation, and by living in the light. There's going to be things that we're going to talk about that are just going to challenge you practically to live in the light by exposing sin and doing what's true. 
And second, we need to renew ourselves corporately together here at Liberty. We need to tell the condemned world that God loves them and help spread the light of Jesus so that sin in our world can be exposed in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, so our world can see Jesus look on the cross and be saved. So renewal comes when we better understand the truth about God and ourselves. So let's be people of prayer. As we go through this series, let's be praying. Pray that God would pour out his presence in us in a profound way. Pray that he would do it in our city, in our church, in our world. And let's keep praying for each other to experience it too. And let's ask God to do what he needs to do and help us make the changes we need to make to prepare ourselves for it. Let's pray.